Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Threat Talk. I'm your host, Bob Hansman, and today I'm excited to kick off a three-part series of podcasts with the authors of a new book titled The Hidden Potential of DNS in Security. Now, with a couple of decades of experience each, Josh Quo and Ross Gibson have produced something that I'm considering probably my ultimate reference source for DNS from a security perspective, because almost everything else written there on DNS, it's all about, you know, how to set it up for networking, how it's used for internet and so forth. So, uh, Ross and Josh, thank you both for agreeing to the series and being here to kick things off today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, Bob. Yeah, thanks. Excited to be here as well. All right. Now, first of all, I I just, I mean, I've thought about writing books in the past and then I look at how much work is involved and I decide, nope, not for me. So, um, I mean, and and DNS, it's not the most exciting thing in the world. So why did uh, you guys uh, try to do this? Uh, What made you even think to start this? Uh, Josh, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Well, yeah, I think first I disagree with that DNS is not the most exciting thing. (laughs) You know, everyone has their thing and DNS happens to be Ross and my thing that we do care deeply about DNS and our last couple of decades of experience. It's really working in and around everything that touches DNS. So we have a lot of things to say um, on on the topic. Um, And I've always wanted to write um, I've written other publications in the past, but I want to do a real book book. Uh, and Ross happens to, I think, want the same thing. So we were happy. Uh, we we uh, found each other and we we're able to get, you know, work on this project. All right. And Ross. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with Josh that DNS is a fascinating topic. I, I don't know why. <laughs> Like you don't think that everybody would want to write a book about it, but it, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where it, it's so present and so used that people just don't even think about it. But I mean, if you, if you really sit back and think about DNS, it's had a pretty profound impact on, you know, moving the human race forward as a whole, right? The internet wouldn't be what it is today without DNS existing as it does today. So I think, I think it touches a lot of our modern world. And I think, you know, people learning more about it is a good thing. Well, and I definitely appreciated DNS as I got into it. I realized how clean and precise and purpose built the protocol is. It, it's not like a lot of other protocols that have had great evolutions and changes. I think DNS had, uh, you know, around 2010 or 11, I think is when they introduced uh, some security features. Um, and there's been uh, definitely some development, but it's pretty much stayed a solid, consistent uh, uh you know, protocol for communications. Um, I, from a security perspective, didn't get into it myself until I got into like threat hunting and um, or, or deep investigations. When we've had an incident, I needed to dig through DNS logs because DNS sees everything. And so once I had a machine that I said, okay, this machine's been compromised, I could go through the DNS records and see everything it's done including things that like, you know, the web filters and the gateway tools, they, they'd miss some of that because a lot of that is just DNS communications. It's kind of below the radar of other tools. I mean, like, you know, uh, we have so many security tools that they're only monitoring things from malware. They don't, you know, they're not worried about the communication, but that's where this book got me excited is because it's looking at the communication side. Uh, when I talk to people about the uh, 
defense in depth. They say, oh, yeah, yeah, well, we have this email solution and it scans all the email for malware. Oh, and it also does a little, you know, looking for phishing headings and things like that. But, you know, anybody who puts eight dollar signs in a subject heading, probably phishing, things like that. Um, but for the most part, it's a malware scanner and email. My web gateway, a malware scanner, my desktop, you know, you know, endpoint solution. It's mostly malware. Everything's so malware. But DNS says, OK, you guys already have malware covered. Let me deal with the communications um so okay. what kind of of things do you see at that level when you're not worried about the malware um ross you know when we were interviewing to uh to talk about the potential for this series you'd mentioned something about the hidden path yeah so hidden hidden path is is kind of a specific uh i don't know if i want to call it an attack vector but it's it's a specific technique that you can that you can use that gets into taking advantage of people's belief that the character sets limited within DNS. Cause it is in the host name portion, but not in the rest of it. And you can take people's expectations and kind of move beyond that and try to get them to focus on one thing and kind of use a little misdirection, basically causing them to think they're going one place when they're actually going somewhere else entirely. Yeah. So, so kind I of think, an invasion thing. Right, it is. And and I think like you like you pointed out, because it's foundational to all different types of communications, it really adds protection in a gap that cuts across everything that you're doing, right? It's not just gonna catch your web traffic, it's gonna catch, you know, SFTP traffic, it's gonna catch NTP, and anything you're doing pretty much is gonna have DNS as some component of it. Right. The um sort of one of the ways I would explain this to uh, some other folks would be, this is similar to what the CIA did back in the 60s or during the Cold War, that they can monitor what phone numbers that you've been calling. They don't have to listen to the actual phone conversation. Um, that's similar to what DNS is. We don't have to look at the actual payload, what email was actually sent what what page content was actually being passed and forth but by just knowing you went to this domain name you emailed this person at this website we can draw a lot that in itself is just a lot a lot of information already and we can uh even from that we can conduct behavioral uh studies or uh, study it for security purposes well to ross's point you know with the, the hidden path concept that they may think they're going to a perfectly legitimate site, but they're actually being redirected and DNS sees that. And that's, that is something that I, again, when I was doing uh, threat investigations, you know, malware, uh, you know, I can't remember what the, st uh, the study was. Um, Department of Homeland Security did some research. Others have done research. It's like what is it, 92, 94% of all malware depends on DNS for, for some part of their communication. And they can't lie to DNS about where they want to go. If you don't give DNS the real domain name of where you're really trying to go, you're not going to get the IP address. So everything gets revealed there. We're at other layers, like, you know, within HTTP traffic and, and URLs. They can disguise a lot of that. So DNS uh, really, I mean, it just gets, it does get exciting. Um, I just know that it's not like the one book that if somebody did a survey, you know, hey, what five books are you hoping to read this year? Yeah, I want something on DNS, you know, <laughs> not, not on the top of anybody's list, unless 
they're like those of us who who've gotten into it. And I got into it late. Um, I've been in security for over 40 years and I didn't really start digging into DNS and about it until about a decade ago, realizing things that you guys, I'm sure, was were working on uh, long before that. But I want to ask um, uh, before we delve into some of the first topics about what the book covers uh, to get this series kicked off. Who were you thinking of? Who's this book for? Is this like for advanced DNS geeks like those of us here or or is this for the beginners? Who's who's the audience for this? Yeah, so I, I'm, gl- I'm glad you asked because it is it's slightly different than the traditional audience that you would expect a DNS be, book to be targeted towards. Right. Most of the books out there that discuss DNS are really targeting the system administrator, right? The person that's running the DNS and telling them how to protect their DNS, how to set it up, how to do all those those kind of system admin things. This book is squarely focused on the security professional. So we're not going into talking about, you know, how you're going to set up a DNS server, how you're going to configure individual like DNS records and things like that. We provide just enough foundational knowledge to understand the security concepts that we talk through. And we start out obviously with some at the beginning but it's not like pages and pages and pages of DNS. It's foundational knowledge. And then we introduce pieces that they need to know as we get into specific topics. So it's, it's really trying to make it as accessible to a security person that hasn't spent a lot of time in DNS and brings them up to speed on the pieces that they need to know to understand the attacks that are, that are prevalent in the environment. Well, and that's where I'm using it is that, I mean, I do get into DNS quite a bit, but I still also have a lot of other things I deal with. Um, and I'm sure somebody in SecOps or a security analyst, there's so many things they're doing that the stuff they've been working on for the last week may be completely different. And now they're trying to remember something that, you know, the book, the way it's laid out, I, I really meant it when I said that it's kind of like a reference. I can quickly go the way you've got it all broken out and indexed. I can find some information quickly that's relevant to what I'm digging into right now. And it can refresh my, my mind on how some of this, uh, how DNS works in that situation or that aspect of DNS is, is working for me. Um, uh, Josh thoughts on your side. Um, yeah, it's uh, very much like what Ross said. Uh, we realize that there is a need um, from our, just our uh, working in contact with, with customers and folks that we, we deal with that there is a gap. Um, that when people think DNS security, everybody thinks something slightly different. Um, and we decided, well, we want to really define the different interpretations and definitions of DNS security. Um, because most folks, even in SecOps, they may think, oh, that means DDoS. I want to make sure no one can DDoS my DNS service. Well, that's not what the book is about. That's more network and service. So we want to talk about the it's not really a, even a new generation, but the current generation of attacks is the attackers love your DNS service. They want it to stay up because it's great at tricking users to go to bad domains and it's great at transporting their m- malware payloads. And that's the part we really want to bring awareness to and, and sort of um, explain the different subcategories. Yeah, and I can't wait till we get into, uh, I know in a future episode, we're really going to dig into that transport because I don't think a lot of people realize that DNS actually is uh, or can be a tool for sending data in and out of your network, which is kind of an issue when, I mean, DLP and even your web, tra- they don't watch 
DNS traffic, all those defenses you've got, they're looking at other protocols, not DNS. And uh, so there's a big gap there. So we'll, we'll deal with that. But you mentioned, and, and Ross mentioned it earlier, the first thing I thought of when people started talking to me about DNS security was, yeah, DNS, um, if it goes down, I can't do anything. Um, I remember, uh, I don't remember how, do you, how many years ago was it when uh, some of the major authoritative DNS services were compromised in the United States and half of the United States major global services like Amazon and Facebook, they all went down, but it wasn't because of an attack on them and it wasn't because of an attack on me. It was the DNS server that everybody kind of depended on to connect them. And so the first thing I thought of, DNS security, I need to protect DNS. And like you said, that's not what this book is about. So we won't, I don't want to pull you in into that direction, but I do want our audience to know because about a third of our audience are people that are starting out in security. Uh, they may have a few years under their belt and they could easily be like even I was after a couple of decades of security when I got into DNS. I was thinking, yeah, I need to protect DNS. But its value goes so much beyond that. And that is where your book goes. Um, how it's used throughout the life cycle and all of that. And so I thought that was really, really interesting. So um, let's see, in my notes here, what did I want to get into here? Uh, so, yeah, so <laughs> the phrase DNS security, I, I want to call that out. I think I may have mentioned this in another episode earlier. It means both. We don't have a good term for both kinds of security. DNS security to protect DNS and then DNS security to use it to protect right. against everything else. Um, so, yeah. That's, so, so, the, so there is a newer term um, that we luckily caught it towards the end of the, uh, the, the publishing of the book. So NSA, uh, the National Security Agency, uh, about, I think two years ago, came out with the term in their paper, in their recommendation, protective DNS, PDNS. And that description is a lot more, it's not 100%, but it's a lot closer to what we mean. But yes, this is about inspecting what's happening within DNS. Is it being abused to carry out attacks and, and, and stuff like that? So that has quickly sort of, you know, it, it, that term kind of shot into the industry only about two years ago. Uh, so it's not super widespread yet, but we're hoping you know, in the book, right, we, we talked about this term to say these are the sub subcategories. PDNS is a subcategory of DNS security. Yeah, I do recall hearing that a lot of in, in uh, federal organizations here a couple of years ago. But you're right. I'm seeing articles on it. Um, the, the press and media starting to get on it. So you guys are right at the front of that that new transition of that of that term. Um which is talking about using DNS data for, as you mentioned, collection, so that there's behavioral analysis and things like that going on it. Um, uh, but one thing that you mentioned in here, I'm looking at this. Um, let's see. Oh, and before I go into this, I want to point out, anybody who's listening to this that's interested in the book, um, it is available on uh, Amazon.com. Uh, if you want, you can search there. It's called The Hidden Potential of DNS and Security. And if you weren't able to make a note of that, um, you can always just go to the Infoblox website, go under the podcast, find these podcasts, and there will be hot links to, uh, to the places where you can pick up um, Josh and Ross's book. But um, 
So let's let's now go to what the book is about, not DNS security, but protective DNS. So when it comes to protective DNS, you know, um, and, and I think there was a paper by the SANS Institute earlier this year, about six months ago, um, and they were all talking about how DNS, particularly if you are within the architecture, and I think that was really important from their paper, because there's, you know, you can get a firewall, a next-gen firewall, and they'll say, oh yeah, we can now do DNS security. But they're using sinkholes and other techniques to actually bypass DNS. So they don't have all the visibility that a true DNS security solution. So if I'm in the DNS architecture, um, you know, that's where I got all of my data about this device has been trying to do these kinds of communications and, and so forth, which would either guide my investigation or help drive maybe a threat hunting exercise. So how is DNS in general being abused and you guys actually have a chart in there on the five types of dns abuse i really like that that graphic so you want to kind of give us an overview of that sure so it, as you mentioned we we break it down into five kind of categories a, a couple of them being the stuff that we've already talked about your service impediment like a ddos and then attacks on the dns servers themselves right so what we call implementation vulnerabilities so bugs and things like that, where they could stop the DNS server in some way. And, and as we mentioned before, that that's actually one of the areas that there are resources out there for the security or the DNS administrator to, to use. And so we, that's, you know, the areas that we really don't cover. What we talk about are the areas of um, what we call misdirection or redirection DNS as a transport mechanism and data privacy. Those are kind of the three the three other areas that we really do dig into in the book. Now, on the data privacy, um, are you thinking of the .do stuff, or there's more to it? I'm sure. .do is a big part of it, right? I mean that, and and just to spell out what that is for those that aren't familiar with it. So, .dot is DNS over TLS, and DO is DNS over HTTPS, and basically, you can conflate them together to call them encrypted DNS, right? So it's DNS, but not in the clear as it's traditionally been. That creates some issues for the security side of the world because you lose that visibility unless you're running the DN the DO or DOT server, right? If you are, then you still have the visibility just that you've had before. And that's the thing that I think more and more enterprises are going to have to move towards. They're going to have to move towards providing DOT and DO services on top of or in place of their traditional DNS in order to kind of keep the foundational security that they have through DNS still available and able to catch and filter all that traffic as they would today. Now, I, I'm thinking also just the fact that there's having your own DNS, uh, you know, infrastructure, that's something that really large corporations have been doing for years um, because it required an awful lot of hardware. But today there's a lot of cloud options and, um, I think a lot of, uh, you know, your more, let's just refer to them as uh, mid-sized organizations, they just point to a cloud service. But by just sending it anywhere to get a DNS resolution, they're missing out on all these security values that you guys are talking about, right? Yeah, well, they, they certainly are. I mean, you know, free is not always free. Right. And, and some of it is, especially in a case where you're using something like DNS that your business really ends up hinging upon, 
if you're sending it out to some free service that you have no SLA with, you're kind of rolling the dice with your business as a whole, right? So, so using a commercial service that you have some agreement with and that has some filtering capability, I think is important for any business to use, right? It's obviously different than a just home user. Um, and there are a lot of free options for home users, like, you know, just Google public DNS, Cloudflare and others like that, that will provide some protection mechanisms, but it's certainly not the level of visibility or control that most enterprises would require. Even me- medium businesses, medium size or small businesses would like to have as well. So, um, are there, I mean, we talked earlier about how DNS, you know, is used for a variety of, of ways in, uh, in modern threats. Of course, the majority of them do actually require uh, DNS uh, in order to resolve the URLs that they're embedding in their, either their malware or emails, phishing emails. They come with the links and they can disguise what the link says. You know, even when you mouse over it, it can still look like something legitimate. But when you click on it, um, it has to go to DNS and DNS has to get the real thing and you won't know what that is really if you don't have your own dns so i see more and more companies uh realizing that but i think we're at the early stage of that i still think the majority of your mid-sized businesses um they're trying not to get into it anymore than they have to because security is complicated enough as it is and without knowing enough about dns by the way i'm about to give you another plug for your book you know, they aren't even sure what they what they need to do. So um, I, I'm thinking that your book is going to really help a lot of those people start understanding more about DNS, how it can affect their security posture and make those decisions about, OK, where do we invest to protect our DNS? So, Josh, you look like you're waiting for me to shut up so you can say <laughs> something. <laughs> no. Yeah. So I think you're right. It's it's. um a lot of maybe uh, like you uh, mentioned, medium, small size businesses may feel like this is not worth our time or investment. I'm just going to use something that's almost free, that's online, that's in the cloud. I don't want to maintain. I don't want to care about DNS. I just want to look up names and be on my way. Right. But they're missing out a lot. That's what we hope to educate uh, our readers is what are they missing out? What is, you know, what is being abused by the attackers in these DNS queries? And what, um, on the flip side, if you're the security uh, as professional, you're the defenders, what are you missing? There's a lot of information in these DNS queries that if you have control, then you can look at that and, you know, Google's not gonna care how many devices on your network that's uh, that's been infected by malware they just provide you free dns lookups but you as a security person can really dig in and look at these dns logs and go oh i see that we've been hit by this particular malware just by looking at dns queries and i know who who's infected and i can now take action on these um on these infected devices well and i want to call out on that on that malware piece because that's the other thing that that makes dns so interesting um, I mentioned earlier how long I've been in this industry. When I got into it, it was like you would uh, dial up a bulletin board system uh, pre-internet. Um, or even in the early days of the internet, they would just try to trick you to go to a location. You downloaded a file. Um, or if you committed a certain action, um, it could maybe auto-trigger the file uh, being spread to you or to other uh, files in your system. But 
they had it was one executable that had a spreading mechanism and the payload and that was it the whole thing was self-contained but today to be able to go past all of those security defenses um it starts with like a little downloader a very small piece of code that's the first thing they want to get it through and it doesn't do anything that pretty much every other app on your computer does which is go out and look for updates on a regular basis it goes out and if it sees an update, it downloads it. And so this little malicious downloader downloads another small piece of code, which by itself doesn't do anything bad. But when you put all the pieces together, it's like they download a Lego set that when they put it together, they've built a nuclear bomb on your network uh, to take the whole thing out, you know, get the right pieces. By the way, Lego does have those pieces if you order, know where to order. Um, and they'll send them over to you over DNS. Yeah. And so... <laughs> We've got the malware getting smaller and smaller and makes it harder for the malware detections to see anything truly malicious, even behavioral analysis, throw it in a sandbox. Yeah, well, it calls out and downloads other stuff. Everything I do, everything I use on my computer does that. That's not behavioral uh, red flag. But what they don't watch for is that communication. So every one of those exchanges where it calls out and says, I need you to download this. I need you to download that. I need a, a pen test tool to see if there's a vulnerability on this machine. Oh, I found a vulnerability. I need the tool to help open that up. Oh, and I need the other thing that I want to send through it. They download all these little components. And every one of those communications, which I think the other thing people, a lot of people don't understand, it's not all to like a C2 server. They're going to an entire infrastructure. And even if parts of that infrastructure are new, DNS is going to see the other stuff and there will be indicators in that DNS traffic that you don't get any other way. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that, yeah, that, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, that is that we, you know, I agree. And then that is something we did cover in the book as well. in some of our case studies. Um, so we would take a actual malware uh, attack like sunburst from solar winds and we'll mm -hmm. break it down and say, focus on, these are the components that are abusing uh, abusing DNS. Uh, explain how that works and how you could potentially stop future attacks like this by implementing some kind of DNS uh, mechanism to either detect or stop. Yeah. Uh, any additional thoughts, Ross, on that? Uh, I, I mean, of course, I, I agree with that. And I think... I think that the the case studies are a really valuable source of information in the, in the book, not as like some exhaustive list of everything that's going on, but really giving real world examples of how these attacks are actually used and and mm -hmm. what they would look like in an environment. And and I think that a lot of a lot of security professionals will find that particular structure that the book provides helpful. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I did notice that you've, you've got some nice little like poster child examples of classes of different kinds of attacks and how DNS is is used. Um, of course, they're constantly evolving that. And I expect you guys will have uh, updates to your book on a periodic basis. But um, it was extremely comprehensive. I was uh, really pleased with uh, with those references. Again, uh, some of those uh, things. They, uh, you know, we haven't seen them for a while. I remember like uh, a good example would be fast flux was something that was a really big issue. Almost all your attacks, all the cool attacks were using fast flux. Um, and then it kind of died off for a while. And then um, I don't think it's come back in any great force, but we have started to see more activity in that front. And so 
even the old methods and techniques, they come back and it's worth having your, again, I, I can't emphasize this. I see this as a reference so that when something comes up, I haven't had to deal with in a while, I can go and find a quick explanation, some examples of how, how it works. You know, I get the whole, you know, TTPs uh, behind it. So I really appreciated that aspect. Unfortunately, we are running out of time. Uh, the good news is that this is uh, part one of a three-part. Um, and so uh, the series will continue on. But uh, Josh, uh, Ross, thank you for your time today. Thanks for having us. This was a great discussion. Yeah, thank you. Hope to see you again. All right. And I want to remind our listeners that you can get the, uh, the book um, through uh, Amazon.com. Just look for the hidden potential of DNS in security um, or go to the Infoblox website, uh, look up the podcast and there will be hot links on those pages as well. But I want to thank all of our viewers and listeners for your time. Please join us next time as we continue our efforts to help you stay on top of cybersecurity and ahead of cyber risks on Threat Talk. Mm -hmm.